I'm going to start with a football analogy. I'm not a football player, but I know there's a few things. There's a kind of a pattern. There's, you've got the goalkeeper at the back, then you've got the defence, you've got the midfield, and then you've got the attacking players in the front. Um, and recently, I've been following the charts about the various teams that were uh, playing in the Premiership. And it was a, quite a close race between two particular clubs. And uh, both of them were neck on neck sometimes, one was edging the other. Uh, and, but the clear difference was the team that won had a greater goal difference. Okay. So that was the one way, in fact, even if both uh, teams are tied of the number of matches played and won and lost, it was a goal difference that would have made the difference. What I'm trying to say is uh, for, for any team to win, you need to um, have good offense, but you also need a good defense. A good defense is a good offense. We get the picture. Paul was uh, new to play in both positions, Apostle Paul. He could do offense and he could do defense. So today we are at one of those places in the book of Acts where you find there are five uh, speeches Paul makes, all of them in defense of the gospel. And we're going to be looking at just one of them this week. Why should we study Apostle Paul's uh, defense speech is a question. Because we, Jesus has said, uh, we will face tribulations, we will face trials. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Okay? As followers of Jesus Christ, you're bound to face opposition in some form, in some measure, at some time, in some intensity, depends wherever you live. So it's good for us to see how did Paul defend the gospel? What was his aim and how did he deliver his defense? We're going to be looking at that. So first thing we will look at is in terms of the story, you'll find that Paul is defending not because he wants to save his skin or get out of trouble, but he actually wants uh, to connect with the people and he wants to communicate the gospel with these people. To put, let's look at that story which the passage that Claire read. You find that um, Paul was in Jerusalem, the story so far. He was staying in the house of a man called Nassim and he was a Cypriot believer in Jesus Christ. And uh, he was welcomed by the believers in Jerusalem uh, he had met with James, the Lord's brother, in Jerusalem. They exchanged stories of what God has been doing in each other's lives and ministries. 
Paul said what God has been doing among the Gentiles in Asia and in Acacia. And you've got, uh, meantime, James is saying, uh, thousands of Jewish people in Jerusalem and in Judea have turned to Christ. In exchanging these stories, both of them glorify God. So key things to take on board is, like from previous lessons is, that if you are in Christ, you're part of God's family, and wherever you go, you've got, you've got God's family, and it's important that as God's family, we are hospitable to people, kind to people, welcoming people. These are characteristics that uh, God's family need to have. The other aspect is that when you share testimony about uh, the fruitfulness in ministry, the glory must go to God. Do not point attention to yourself. You're not, you're not the, you're not the uh, main act here. It's Christ. It's God at work. God has decided to work through us. So give glory to him and him alone. Okay. Then you find um, James has got a concern because the Jewish believers in Jerusalem were very zealous uh, about their heritage. And so he says that in order, and they've heard some rumors that Paul was anti-Semitic and uh, Paul was uh, asking Jewish people not to uh, regard their traditions and stuff and such. And so James comes up with this suggestion, he says, why don't uh, you participate in uh, a, uh, a fulfillment of a Nazarite vow? So he obliges, but the, Paul always had trouble with uh, uh, Jewish people who refused to accept that Jesus is their Messiah. Those people were giving him trouble in Asia and in Acacia, and uh, they were now in Jerusalem, and they stirred up the mob, and they laid hands on uh, uh, Paul, and uh, they started to beat him. So this is... Uh, Again, one of the things is, one of the lessons you can say is, sometimes God keeps us from persecution. Sometimes God uh, keeps us through persecution. You need to be prepared for both. Okay? And, uh, you know, we live in a relatively uh, comfortable situation where people do not physically go and hurt each other because, uh, because you believe in Christ. But who knows, things can change. There was a mob mentality there, and that was what was transpired. And uh, you find the story begins with the, with the aspect of, if you look at the top reading, it says, Paul was brought into barracks by the tribune. Tribune Lysias, you know, where his barracks were, his barracks were literally from the temple. It was on a hill, and the, hill, and the castle was called Antonia. And from the barracks, there are two steps which come straight to the temple. And he can, from there, they, they had a station of barracks there because they wanted to keep a bird's eye view of what's happening in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a, a hothead uh, place for zealous, uh, nationalistic uh, Jewish people who did not like the Roman occupation or the Greek way of thinking. So here's Paul being beaten. They can see the commotion. They come down these steps. And the moment they see uh, 
the Tribune Lysias and the Centurion and the soldiers, they stop beating Paul. And uh, Paul is uh, uh, gathered up and uh, uh, he tries to ascertain as to what's happening. People are shouting one thing and some others are shouting some other thing. There's a confusion there. He arrests Paul and he's taking him back to the barracks. As he's up on the stairs, Paul asks the tribune, can I speak? He asks permission to speak. He wants, and the tribune is taken aback because he spoke in cultured Greek language. And he thought, I thought he had made an assumption, and the assumption was a false one. The assumption was he had assumed that Paul was one of these rebellious people who led a mob of people, about thousands of them, uh, to, in, in Egypt, and they were part of a group called the Assassins. And uh, they, uh, and he thought that he was part of that people, and he was a he was an Egyptian Jew. And Paul says, I am not a Jew, and he gives, he clarifies that by saying, uh, say, I'm, I'm not the, an Egyptian Jew that you think that I am, but I am a Jew who is born in Tarsus of Sicilia. And uh, he goes on to explain, and he asks permission to speak, and the tribune gives. That's the background. Now we'll get into the story. Okay. What we're going to be looking at is, what was Paul's defense like? I'm going to give it to you all in C's and then I'll give you applications again all in C's, okay? So easy for you to remember. The first thing he does is he tries to connect with the people he is trying to address. Connect. The second thing he does is he, is, he tells how he got converted. Christ. The third C is he wants them to know he just hasn't dreamed some fanciful idea of sharing this or doing this type of work. He is saying that he is commissioned by Christ. And he says why he went to the Jewish, uh, he went to the Gentile people is because his placement was clarified by Christ. So, I've given you four C's there. Okay. So, he, uh, so when we, we're going to expand on all of those in a moment. So, if you want to actually communicate the gospel with anybody, the first thing is you're looking for is common ground where you can connect with people. When you're trying to connect with people, in this case, Paul had a Jewish heritage which the mob also had Jewish heritage so he could connect with them. So first thing he does is he speaks to them in Hebrew language. Same language. You're speaking the same lingo. Important. Number two, what he does is he says, uh, I'm a Jew just like you are. I'm born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but I studied here, right here, in your city in Jerusalem. I studied under one of your best teachers, Gamaliel, who's around here in the Sanhedrin, he's part of the Sanhedrin. I studied under him. He was a Pharisee and so am I. He was zealous for the law, so am I. 
In fact, I was so zealous for the law that I went ahead and persecuted those people who believed in Christ. Those times, these are called the, the, the followers of Christ was called the followers of the way. Where do you get that phrase from? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, and so it, see, it's not belief affects behavior. It affects your lifestyle. It, so Paul was trying to give a defense for his belief and his behavior. I believe in Christ. And this is how, that, that's why my life is different. That's why I do those things I do. That's what he's trying to explain. So uh, he goes on to say that and he says, I not only persecuted them, I arrested people and I put them in prison and I, I was going to bring some of them back to Jerusalem to be tried by the Sanhedrin. What's more, I have got letters of recommendation or author authoritative letters from the Sanhedrin to go and do the same thing in other parts of the world and they can bear witness to as to who I am. So using all these words, he connects with the crowd. He tries to connect with the crowd. Next thing, once he's made this attempt to connect with the crowd, and because he's speaking in Hebrew, and uh, he also uses the word, he says, brothers and fathers. What a way to identify with people. So he, he identifies with them, and then the next thing he says, he uh, begins to share his conversion story, the next C. Again, I just wanted to point out, sometimes as Christians we have this great danger of we connect with people, we build bridges, but then you forget why you built the bridge. A bridge that leads to nowhere. You get, you get the picture? Sometimes as Christians we think that Christianity is about being nice to people. Niceness does not save anybody. It's only the gospel that saves people. In the end of the day, what you know, uh, you know, you don't want the reputation you've been a nice person. You need to be known not because you're a nice person. You need to be known because you belong to Christ. You get the picture? So he, what Jesus said is, you are the light of the world. You are. Uh, the uh, salt of the earth. Not that you need to be a light. His light has already come upon you. The, his, his light has shone upon you. So just by your lifestyle, you should be different from the world in the way you conduct yourself because belief has affected behavior. Creed has affected my character. Doctrine can be seen in my duty to Christ. So you can see how this, 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 this is happening. So he, Paul not only builds a bridge by connecting with a crowd, he goes on to talk about his conversion. And he says, I was on the road to Damascus, armed with letters from the Sanhedrin, going to find believers in Christ, to arrest men and women, to bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. And on the way to Damascus, it was about noontime. I was, as I was traveling, I encountered the risen Christ. 
uses the words that there was a, a bright light and it's noontime. He's saying it outshone the sun. And he falls down and he asks this question, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus replies to him, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Here, I just want to put out, is Jesus identifies with his church. Even, you know, like sometimes as church, we make mistakes, do we? As church is made up of people, isn't it? And believers, do you make mistakes in your life? Do you let him down? We do, sometimes. Are you perfect, perfect, perfect? Hand on heart? No. Christ does not disown his bride. He washes her and cleanses her with the word of God. One reason why should we read the Bible? It's not for some intellectual exercise of saying that, oh, I have read the Bible. That's not the reason. The Word of God it washes you and cleanses you. It challenges your thinking. It changes your behavior. So you just, so if you look at here, Apostle Paul, here, Apostle Paul, he talks about his conversion and he's, he, 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 in, in the story he talks about the fact that how Christ identifies himself with the body. So much so when you're persecuting the church, Christ says, you're persecuting me. This affected his theology big time. That is why he writes in his letters, we are the body of Christ and Christ is the head. Hallelujah. And he says about growing up in maturity into the head, Christ. You get the picture? Where he gets all this imagery from. Because from then onwards he, he knew about body ministry. That is why all those phrases which said, If you do it to the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Christ said those sentences. So you got those. So you have got, he tells his conversion story, and at the end of this conversion story, Christ is commissioning him. He says, you're going to be my spokesperson to, to take this message to the Gentiles. And he said, you'll be given further instructions when you go to Damascus. He, he gets up, but he's blinded, he can't see, He's led by his, uh, his uh, servants or his friends uh, to Damascus and he's there praying. And while he's there praying and fasting and waiting on God, in the light of all that has transpired, you've got Ananias coming. God speaks to Ananias and he comes and prays for him and Paul receives his sight and Paul is given further instructions. And Ananias gives him a command, rise and be rise and be baptized, washing away your sins. Last week we had a baptism service of Shao from mainland China. And uh, you know, and I challenged the church last week. 
In the early church, there was nothing called an unbaptized Christian. Every Christian was a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus commanded his church, he commanded his apostles, go and make disciples. Preaching and teaching and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So again, I'm going to throw the challenge to you. If you're here and you claim you're a follower of Christ, you've not been baptized, be baptized. Don't disobey Christ. Oh no, don't call him Lord if you don't mean it. The challenge. Meet with me. We can have another baptism service. Because Cornerstone is about making disciples for Christ. It's not about just gathering and being nice. We belong to Christ and we are looking to welcome others into the body of Christ. We are looking to make Christ known and to make disciples. Okay. So he's commissioned. And latterly you find that Apostle Paul says to this mob that is uh, there, he's saying that I wanted to do ministry in Jerusalem among the Jewish people. But one day when he was in the temple, as he was praying, the Lord appeared to him in a vision. And in that vision, God commissions him to say, say to him that I want you to go far away and serve the Gentile community. Sometimes when we talk about Apostle Paul, we think that Apostle Paul saw Christ just once. No, actually he saw Christ more than once. You remember earlier we said that in, in Acacia or in Greece, one time he was feeling so down after he'd come down from Athens, the Lord appeared to him. And here's another occasion prior to all this. Early in his conversion days, the Lord appeared to him and commissions him. So from the story, we can have a look. What are the things we can do? If you want to communicate the gospel with people, connect with people first, see. Number two, tell your conversion story. How your life was changed. Tell them why you're telling the story. You've been commissioned by God. Go and make disciples. Okay. And lastly, you can also be clear which is your patch. You know, sometimes your mission field is not somewhere far flung, thousands of miles away or hundreds of miles away. Your mission field is right where God has placed you. It might be the school gate, it might be the office desk where you are, it might be the university that you are in. That is your mission field. Here at Cornerstone, we don't go away on mission, we are in mission. This is a mission field. Adjust your perspective. That's why Cornerstone is excited about home groups. When Matt was so excited about speaking about, we connect in a home group. Because that's where disciples are made. That's where meaningful relationships happen. That's where people can support you. That's where we will learn to pray. That's where we will learn to practice our gifts. You are in a mission field. Here's a challenge to you. If you're not part of a home group and you belong to this local church, please do connect with the home group. 
If you've kind of, kind of maybe got out of the habit of attending a home group, why not today say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to buck that trend. I'm going to break that habit. I'm going to shake off the dust. And I'm going to go and join with my community of brothers and sisters. It'll be for your benefit. If you're not from this congregation, go and join your home groups in your local churches. That's where you connect. So, now I'm going to look at the application, having said, having explained the story. And really just three C's for you guys. First of all, Paul was calm. Secondly, he was clear. Thirdly, he was courageous. Calm, clear, and courageous. Apostle Paul was facing a hostile car, crowd, and this crowd had just beaten him up. And yet, when he speaks, there is no hint of anger. He's not calling, he's not like uh, some of the early disciples in the early walks that suddenly called fire down from heaven. He doesn't curse them. He engages with them lovingly. He reasons with them. That calmness didn't come because he's, he, was, he was like Gandhi. That calmness comes because he came from God who grants peace. Ability to love your enemies. Okay? Second one. Uh, he was clear. He was clear in communicating the gospel. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. It's important to speak the truth in love. Don't come this kind of a, a you know, cocky, I know it all, and boom. Don't Bible bash people. Engage with them, speak to them, listen to them, Tell them why you think differently. Okay. He was clear and he didn't just stop with being nice. He preached the gospel. The gospel is quite simple. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he came and became your substitute. He who was without sin became sin on account of us. And he faced the wrath of God, the punishment of God on your behalf and mine. And he gave us his righteousness as a free gift to you. This he demonstrated by dying on the cross. Buried. Rose upon the third day according to scriptures. Seen by witnesses. Ascended into heaven. Poured out the Holy Spirit. Preparing a place for you. Interceding for his church. Coming back again to receive his own and to judge the world. If you never heard the gospel today, you heard. And this, this offer of salvation is open to you. What are you going to do with it? Come and catch one of us, or the friend who brought you. Tell me more. And we would tell, like to tell you more about Jesus. Okay. So he was calm. He was clear. He was courageous. He was not afraid. That courage comes because 
the Holy Spirit has emboldened him. When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. So I would say to you, when you are in a, uh, in a difficult situation, remember, Jesus promised, if you are going about my mandate of, or mandate of making disciples, I will be with you even unto the end of this age. You never walk alone. Not Liverpool. God is with you. If you're a follower of Christ, He's with you. When you feel weak, He will show you strength. When you feel, you, you feel like you're stumbling for words, He doesn't need words. He decided to work with the church, you know? He can, he can reach, He can uh, save people without the church. But he has decided to work through the church. Evangelism at Cornerstone is not an activity we do. It's our way of life. Hallelujah. We don't do programs. We are in the program. In the program. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to close by saying, let's just go through those points, shall we? Connect with people. Tell your conversion story. Okay. Okay. Then, and then the next thing you need to do is say why you're saying it. Why am I sharing the story? Because, because God has asked me to. I, as a friend, I don't want you to miss out on this. And then, in, and then be clear as to, be clear in your mind as to which is your patch. Don't worry about what they're doing there. Just be concerned about where you are. Sometimes we can be so disappointed reading somebody's uh, mission report, you know. They've led thousands to Christ and ten thousands to Christ and, and then they're like, oh, I've led one to Christ. All, you know, it's, no one can claim anything, you know. All the glory belongs to whom? God. I'm going to just remind you of Shao's story. You know, we might think, some of us could think, like, oh, I, we led Shao to Christ. Let me tell you the story. 2012, some friend of his gives him a Bible to him, who had become a Christian. He's seen this guy's life has changed, and he gives him a Bible, and Shao begins to read the Bible. And latterly, he goes to work with some colleagues whose wife happens to be a Christian, and she's, she is different just like his friend had become different. And he's reading the Bible and he's saying, I can see something of this gospel in her life. She prays for him. And then comes the story of Mike and Jenny have got a lovely house. Then the house next door was bought by some people from China. They decided to build an extension. And they built a massive extension. Jenny was quite sad because a, a plant might get affected and be you know, she was really true, she loves God and you know uh, but it shall came there to work on that wall, that extension and here's Jenny who loves to talk, she goes across and tells him, takes him a cup of tea or invites him for a cup, piece of cake or whatever a connection is made, Jenny invites him to church and she doesn't speak Mandarin Love goes beyond language. He comes to church. 
He comes to church and here's Phil Smith excited with his Gideon New Testaments and he says, I've got one in Mandarin for you. Gives him one. And then students like Kern who come and surround him. Michael Middleton comes and speaks some Mandarin because he grew up in uh, China. So all this is happening. He's, he's coming regularly for about six months, eight months, he's coming. He's hearing the gospel, albeit shown, demonstrated in action. And few words, almost like how Francis of Assisi said, you know, preach the gospel, if need be, use words. But words are important, otherwise you never know. And he sits there one Sunday, he writes on his phone in Chinese and he pressed translate. They don't use Google okay, in China, it's something else. But he presses that and he shows it to Jenny. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be baptized. Jenny's over the moon. She gives him a massive hug as she does. And she turns around and uh, tells Phil Smith, who produces a, uh, the back page of the Gideon's Bible, where there's a little prayer you can say. It's in Mandarin. And there's a place you can sign, and he signs his name voluntarily. And then Ken comes on board, and he tells him more. And then what happens, he, uh, he comes to my house, and Ken comes every week and starts to explain about Jesus. Evangelism is through the whole church. And then Mike and I dip him in water here. Can you see that? The whole church is involved. Everybody's involved. The Holy Spirit is at work. It is God who can save lives. All we need to do is be clear about our patch. Which is our... Where's my placement, Lord? You know, some of you students are doing placements next year, or some of you have gone on placements. Your placement is Bristol at this point in time. You're saying, no, God, can I go to Japan? They might send you on a short trip like Andrew went. But I'm just saying, you know, this is, this is, your, this is your mission field. Then, even if people are hostile to you, be calm. Be clear. Be courageous. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for the gospel and I thank you for the church. We thank you that you have decided to work in partnership with your church so that the world might know that Jesus is the Christ and through him people can escape the wrath of God and find safety and salvation. Lord, we pray for people who are here today. I ask that will you help us to be calm, clear, and courageous. Help us to connect with people. Help us to share our conversion story. Help us to explain as to why we're sharing the gospel. Help us to be clear that at this point in time, this is where you placed us and you're working with us. So we come and say, Lord, we are weak. 
We thank you that you decide to take the weak things to show your strength. We take the base things to show your wisdom. So we come and say, Lord, will you take us and use us for your glory? We pray for any who has heard the gospel today that they can escape the coming wrath of God because you have made a way through Christ. I ask, Lord, uh, may they chat to your church and as a church, we can tell, you, tell them more about you so that they too can become disciples of Jesus. We ask this in your name for your glory. Amen.